if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed it is. And hour number two is underway now at eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday, the sixth morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord 2020, the president. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went. I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Terrible message from the president of the United States, according to the media elites. President Trump wrote on Twitter, Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. Almost 210,000 Americans are dead. Speaking of outrageous, uh, this outrageous tweet. Oh, my goodness, Nicole. When I saw that Trump, I mean, I, I literally was overwhelmed. And now we see this tweet, which is heartless. It is uh cruel jake this is heartless and cruel for the president to tell people to not allow covid to dominate their lives now reaction from our good friend each and every tuesday peter kersenow back with us from the uh, united states commission on civil rights cleveland attorney uh, host of the kersenow report on this station uh, columnist of the national review and a best-selling author as well good morning pete bob it's a great day to be an american we have an american president who's a leader and uh, I don't know about you, but I love the meltdown of the media. These little wimps have dis- disclosed exactly who they are. First of all, they're mendacious on steroids. But on top of that, you know, if these types of folks were, well, first of all, there would be no America as we c- currently know it because no one would have come across the Atlantic Ocean. They'd have been too afraid to do so. No one would have gone anywhere. If they had gotten across the Atlantic Ocean, I doubt they would have gotten beyond the Hudson River. What the president said was exactly right. You have to be responsible about these things, and I think we are, uh, but you don't let it dominate you, and you can't be fearful about this. We're adults. We, we understand what the risks are. Uh, you know, as Heather McDonald wrote just a couple days ago, we have 50,000 people a year get killed in car accidents, 
And if we lowered the speed limit on highways, we probably could lower that substantially. But we've made a calculation that, uh, you know, it's not that we're being irresponsible or cavalier about the deaths of human beings, but we understand that you have to live life. And as Americans, we understand that maybe more than almost uh, any other nation on Earth. But if you listen to the Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, and of course they're doing it to a large extent for political calculation, but if you listen to them, uh, you know, we should be hunkered down in our caves and not venture out at all. This is nuts. It is nuts. And again, the president's exactly right. All these, we've got a lot of doctors who've come out now, epidemiologists and others, who say, okay, this is a serious disease, mainly because it's extremely contagious, but in terms of the mortality rate, it is slightly more dangerous for a certain cohort than, say, a bad flu. So if you are the president's age, you know, you may be in a little bit more jeopardy than if you were of ordinary working age, say in your 30s, 40s, 50s, but you still have about a 97% chance of surviving. And if you're under the age of 40, you have a better chance literally, almost literally, of being struck by lightning. So we've got to get well, out the of overall, the overall, yeah. The overall recovery rate is 99.5% overall, and I believe if for, for senior citizens with comorbidities, it's still 95%. So when the president says, don't let this defeat you and don't let this dominate your life, there's a good reason, because the chances are overwhelming that you're going to do what he did, and that is recover from it and come back and feel better and, and, and go about your life. Don't sit there and wallow in despair thinking, I've got COVID, I'm finished, because the chances are, again, for the overwhelming overwhelming majority, 99.5% of us, you're not going to succumb to COVID-19. And in the meantime, and Bob, you and I have been discussing this as early as March and April. In the meantime, we have locked down the economy. Millions of people are still out of work. Millions of people may have lost jobs permanently. Businesses are closing down, especially in the uh, restaurant industry. This is ridiculous. I mean, there's a way of managing this, and yes, there are going to be, and I don't mean to be uh, cavalier about this, I don't mean to be hard-hearted about this, but life entails risk and also death. That happens. Uh, if these people think they're going to live forever, boy, they're going to be in for a rude awakening. The fact of the matter is we have to get on with life. We take appropriate precautions. We use our ingenuity and our brains to make sure that we limit the risk. But beyond that, sitting in a bunker is not living. Putting, being yourself, or putting yourself in a hermetically sealed glass tube is not living. We have to get about our business, and I'm glad the president took the lead, and he did. He was a leader about this. He says, don't let it dominate you. He didn't say act irresponsibly. He says, don't let it dominate you, and don't be fearful. It is, it is so disgusting. I bet you your listeners agree with this. It is disgusting that Americans would act like hysterics like this. Uh, and again, I don't want to necessarily make references to history. We've got a lot of examples of brave Americans doing amazing things. But my goodness, we can handle this, and we should handle it, and we should act like adults. Yeah, and Pete, I, you know, I said something at the top of my show that maybe hyperbole, I don't know. Um, I think the real reason why the media and the Democrats, and you repeat yourself, uh, the reason that they are going so you know off the rails about the president's positive message is an optimism and don't let it defeat you, nominate you, I think they're just really furious that he's vertical. 
I think they yeah. literally are very angry that the man isn't on a ventilator, the victim of his own, you know, uh, a refusal to to you know uh, to bow at the at the feet of the of the maskers who say that that's how you stop yourself from getting sick. You didn't do it, so therefore you got sick and you deserve this. I think they want him in an ICU, and I think some of them are just angry that he survived. Quite frankly, he's over seventy. He's seventy four to be precise, with comorbidity of obesity, according to the BMI charts. I don't think he looks bad, but you understand. The point and pete i think they wanted him to die uh, and and he didn't and he's up and he's strong and he's ready to debate next and they're like dang it i thought we got rid of the guy yeah i you know it i think we conservatives are hesitant to ascribe ill will or evil motives to others that's what we are as conservatives we try to be good people but you cannot come to any other conclusion observing their trajectory over the last several weeks, and especially the last couple of days, that, my goodness, you know, it looked like they finally had him. They were piling on like crazy when he first went to Walter Reed. Some were just completely naked in their glee and wishing him death. And yeah, I think the problem for them is it's not just that, you know, he didn't succumb or that he and, and if they didn't want him to succumb, they wanted him to be debilitated so that it would harm his election prospects, but also kind of a lesson to the rest of the country. Like, you know, you guys, you rubes out here who think we should be opening up the economy. We people east of the Hudson River know much better than you guys do. We in the media elites, we know much better than you do. But I think what really frosts them is they have thrown everything conceivable at this president. First, they start off with, well, a lot of things. They start out with a coup, as we now know. They start out with an attempted coup and marshaled the entire resources of the intelligence community to take him down. Then the impeachment doesn't work after the Russia collusion probe ends up showing absolutely nothing. And all of the allegations they made turn out to be completely false. In fact, it looks like they were the ones who had done all the things they were accusing the president of. Then they try with Ukraine. That blows up. Impeachment doesn't work. Then they think they've got something with coronavirus. But it looks like, you know, my goodness, he's handling that well. Then finally, coronavirus gets him. And they're hopeful that he's going to be because he's 74. And as they repeatedly said, he's obese. They think, my goodness, he's going to be laid up for a long time. He's not going to be able to campaign. In addition to that, he's going to be in bad shape. But he comes back like the Terminator. It drives them nuts. It absolutely does. That's that's exactly my point. And they're livid that he's that he's still able to live and fight another day. Now, let's talk about their next move as it pertains to COVID nineteen, trying to use the disease or use the uh, the pandemic to um, further their own political ends. They now say that not only is the president's uh, health an issue in the confirmation hearings of Amy, Amy Coney Barrett, but now we have a disclosure disclosure that she previously was diagnosed as positive and has overcome it. And now there are four sitting senators who supposedly have COVID-19 as well. And the left is saying we cannot have these hearings because we cannot come back into that chamber and put our families' lives at risk by being around other people who have COVID-19. Um, apparently, they the idea of virtual testimony, which they just did with Comey last week, and they've done with countless others during this COVID-19 summer, apparently that's not good enough. We have to do it in person with Amy Coney Barrett, and since we can't, then it must be delayed. 
Yeah, nice try, Chuck Schumer et al. I mean, you guys have been crying wolf for so long. Nobody believes any of these assertions that you're making. But beyond that, as we've just discussed, this can be handled. You know, I've testified virtually uh, at a congressional hearing. Uh, almost all of us who are attorneys have either had virtual hearings or depositions or arbitrations or something like that. This can be done, and it can be done in person also. I had volunteered when I, uh, on one occasion when... Congress wanted me to come in and testify. So, look, I'll come down and testify as long as, you know, we make sure we have the precautions, which I'm sure they would have exercised. And um, it can be done. And if something as important as a Supreme Court vacancy, stop whining, put on your big boy pants, do your job. And they're going to do it as I think it was Ron Johnson said, he'll put on a space suit to come in and testify. They can do it. And it's going to happen. One of the reasons why Trump has undying loyalty among so many, and it remains to be seen if he wins the election, but the reason why he's got more passionate support than I've seen of, for any president in my lifetime is because he will not back down the way so many other disappointing Republican leaders have in the face of the onslaught from the media and Democrats, but I repeat myself. He stands firm. He is unbowed. If he thinks he staked out the right position, he will he will hold firm to it, but he's not beyond, and, and uh, ignore the lies of the press. Watch him carefully. This is a guy who will make compromises and make deals also. He is not intransigent, contrary to what the media and the Democrats say. Right. He is, you know, he wrote the art of the deal, and that's not hyperbole, or that's, that, you know, it's not um, anything... That was uh, simply, you know, uh, uh, just a, a, a phrase that he used. That's what he does. He likes to negotiate, likes to make deals and compromise with the Democrats if it was reasonable. In this particular case, I'm sure he'd accommodate Democrats, provided that at the end of the day, the confirmation takes place. And I am right. absolutely certain, first of all, we know the votes are he was there. Even... And number two, it's going to go forward. He was even willing to compromise with them on the immigration issues over DACA. He was willing to give in on DACA, and uh, that just shows his willingness to, to uh, compromise and negotiate. You're a thousand percent right. Peter Kirstenau is with us. He'll be right back on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, nine twenty, or excuse me, ten twenty-five. Uh, back with Peter Kirsten. Now, Pete, I want to pivot a little bit here to Joe Biden. Attention away from President Trump and on to Joe Biden now, who has decided to open his mouth and jam his foot down his throat yet again in a matter of race. You see, the reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf. The reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to be out there stocking my grocery shelves. Yeah, I don't know about you, Pete, but here's what I heard. You ain't black if you don't vote for Biden, and you ain't black black if you ain't stocking the shelves for Joe Biden. Yeah, I think in, uh, to be charitable to Joe Biden, he was making a completely inept attempt to pander, okay, to say that he was. poor... Black people are the ones who are making it possible for we white privileged individuals to shelter in place against coronavirus. This is of a piece of what Joe Biden has been about for 40 years. He has been saying things like this on a regular basis. In fact, he's been doing a lot of stupid things, too. 
To me, the issue is less about Joe Biden because he's a known quantity, an inept politician who uh, uh, Donald Trump correctly characterized as saying that in 47 years, he's done less than Donald Trump did in 47 months. And that's absolutely true. This is more a reflection of the media that refuses to report these things, at least in the same fashion that they do if Donald Trump had said something even remotely similar. The bias is incredible. And these people, after this election is over with, regardless of who wins, have completely squandered their credibility. Um, Nonetheless, I think that they should hold Biden to account if this were a fair world in the next debate, that must be front and center. Because if Chris Wallace, you know, shames himself by asking falsely, insinuating falsely, that Trump has never denounced white supremacists, and somehow he has a singular duty to do so, suggesting kind of in a backhanded fashion that he has sympathy for white supremacists and racists, then they have a duty to hold Biden, who has said much worse things, at least at their measure, than Trump ever has, and ask him about that. Hold him to account. And not just one little throwaway question, follow up on it like you do with Trump. Exactly. Uh, You know, Trump has, or excuse me, Biden has said far, 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 far more racist and racially stereotypical things than Donald Trump ever, (laughs) excuse me, ever has. This is just the latest. First two responses from me. Number one, I guess my 17 year old son and my 19 year old daughter are black people because uh, they stocked shelves all summer long, uh, at a, at a discount drug, discount drug bar. I I talked about discount drug bar all the time. I did the same thing almost 50 years ago. You know, at discount drug bar. But you're black. You're black. You're supposed to. So, you know, Joe Biden says that's your job, pal. That's it. You stock my shelves for me so I can stay sequestered. So, number one, I know white people who do those jobs, too. Number two, uh, Peter, it, it, you, you know, you talk about what, what Donald Trump would say and you talk about uh, uh, the, the debate and, and what Chris Wallace did to him. I'm going to ask you and you can start your answer now and finish it on the other side of the news. How do you feel about Steve Scully being the announcer or the announcer, beg your pardon, the moderator at the second debate that's coming up on October 15th, former Joe Biden intern, but yeah. more more importantly, and more recently, um, he's all over Twitter praising Joe Biden through the years, and he's all over Twitter hating Donald Trump. In particular, he shared four years ago the David Brooks New York Times article that prompted and started the Never Trump movement among the liberals. Uh, so, well, so he's clearly a Never Trumper. He's clearly a Biden fan, and he's the moderator at the next debate. I mean, I don't even know if Trump should show up. Yeah, no, I think he should show up. I think this is a remarkable opportunity for Donald Trump, and I'm sure he's going to take advantage of it, because what I think about this when I first read about this is that, my goodness, finally the media has abandoned all pretense. We know they all think and act like Skull, even if they haven't been his, uh, Biden's intern. So now we know he is branded as being Biden's intern, and it can't be disputed under any circumstances. His tweets are out there, and I know Donald Trump is the one guy who's not going to be shy about pointing that out, and he should point it out repeatedly. I think he should do so. Now, we talked about this before. I, 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 my personal view is, although you know it seems to work for Donald Trump, is that Trump didn't necessarily have to be as combative as he was. I understand the circumstances. He had to push back, yeah. and he pushed back well. But I think that it might be more effective. But then again, this guy got elected, so I'm not about to second-guess him. But to, to be very precise about these things, point this stuff out, point it out repeatedly, 
people get it. He doesn't need to necessarily, you know, hit people over with a sledgehammer because almost everybody understands the media's bias. But here we have moderating a debate, a guy that used to work for Biden. This is astonishing. This is where we are yeah, today. It's, it is crazy. And Pete, I'm going to take a time out here for our news. I'm going to come back on the other side. And we mentioned race here a moment ago uh, in the Joe Biden context. I'm going to talk about Breonna Taylor, the latest from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, they are demanding, Benjamin Crump and the Breonna Taylor family of attorneys, uh, they are demanding that Daniel Cameron appoint a separate second prosecutor and reopen the case against the police officers in Louisville. I'm going to get your reaction to that as well as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. two sides to every story there's the mainstream media side and then there's the truth you are experiencing the truth the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer all right, uh, 1036, we already know what happened in Louisville, Kentucky. Daniel Cameron, the attorney general down there, the first black AG in Kentucky state history, by the way, uh, oversaw the investigation that took six months of meticulous uh, investigation. They really, truly did turn over every stone looking for anything and everything to help them uh, find a reason to prosecute the police officers in the Breonna Taylor case and her death. Uh, they could find nothing. The grand jury agreed and did not vote or to indict. Um, uh, any of the officers for the shooting of Brianna Taylor. One officer was indicted for reckless or wanton endangerment, but uh, that was it. And naturally, we saw Louisville burn. We saw other cities catch on fire as well, or I should say become victimized by arsonists and others uh, in response to this. But now the civil and the legal response to this is for Benjamin Crump, the Taylor family attorney and others to demand a special invest or special prosecutor rather and to reopen the case. Daniel Cameron responded to that this morning. Are you surprised that the family is calling for a special prosecutor in this case? Well, look, let me just say that in this case, I was uh, the special prosecutor, but this is the Ben Crump model. Uh, he goes into a city, uh, creates a narrative, uh, cherry picks facts to establish uh, to prove that narrative, uh, creates chaos in a community, uh, misrepresents the facts, uh, and then he leaves with his money uh, and then asks the community to pick up the pieces. Uh, it is terribly irresponsible on his part uh, to push such narratives, such, such falsehoods. As the Attorney General, I don't have the luxury of falsehoods. I have the responsibility uh, to the truth, the law, and justice. Peter Kersenow, your reaction to that? I can't do any better than Cameron. That was a perfect answer, and he nailed every point that I've been talking about for a long time with respect to these various investigations, but also the overall overarching narrative that has gotten to this point. That is that somehow blacks are being gunned down by cops in a disproportionate manner, and that Systemic racism is rampant throughout the land, and both of those are not just false, they are egregiously false, contrary to all available facts over the last several decades, not just recently. Nothing to add to what he had to say, and I think what's important is we need more individuals like him 
out there in the media and constantly pushing back, being unabashed in doing so, citing the facts, because people are being hurt. The United States is being hurt because of this false narrative. Get the facts done the correct way. Do the investigation the right way. Don't continue to reinvestigate and reinvestigate till you get your desired result. We've been held hostage. There's been almost an element of blackmail here that you must have a particular result, the result that we want that's consistent with our narrative. Otherwise, we're going to burn the place down. And you see right now there have been several motions for change of venue up in Minneapolis because those officers up there... It's going to be very difficult for them to get a fair trial because jurors are going to be extreme under extreme pressure to achieve a desired result. Otherwise, the city is going to be in a conflagration again. So again, I commend uh, Cameron. I'm going to exercise some personal privilege here because I got uh, I've been getting a couple of emails from people a little bit concerned about what the election is going to turn out to be, and we all know that. Um, Biden is ahead in virtually every poll, almost every poll. And if he's not ahead, it's within the margin of error. Um, I happen to believe that Trump is going to win. Maybe not the popular vote, but I think he wins the Electoral College by an even greater margin than before. Now, I could be wrong. This is a prediction. Nobody knows, okay? But I look at some of the metrics, and for your audience, I'd like them to consider the following. Number one, Trump right now is behind Biden in the same polls, uh, Wall Street Journal, NBC, CBS, uh, ABC polls, by the identical margin at this point in time as he was in the, the relevant point in time in 2016. It is exactly the same, except here are some interesting facts about that. Right now, despite the fact that the poll numbers appear to be the same, he's doing better among Hispanics by between 15 and 20 points. That's not small. I don't know how you arrive at the same polling data when he's doing better among Hispanics, when you break out these various demographics. He's doing 10 points better among blacks. In addition, we have a track record. There used to be something known as the reluctant Trump voter. I confess I was one of those, that I was voting against Hillary Clinton rather than for Donald Trump, and now I am an adamant, walking across glass, walking across hot coals, Trump voter. No one that voted for Donald Trump in 2016 is going to abandon him. So he keeps all those individuals. In addition to that, it's been revealed in a couple of polls that at least 60% of conservative and or independent voters are reluctant to accurately tell pollsters for whom they're going to vote. And then, uh, even if they tell pollsters who they're going to vote for, at least 15% say that they lie. We don't see Democrats being shy whatsoever about telling people how they're going to do They do it every single time because they control the media and they know they're not going to be subject to public appropriation for saying, I hate Donald Trump. You don't get shot at like some conservatives do if you say, I hate Donald Trump. And on top of everything else, this is all about Donald Trump. No one is voting for Biden. He is inept. He's decrepit. That is clear. He would be a horrible president. Everybody gets that. He does not inspire enthusiasm. Donald Trump is exactly right saying he's accomplished more things in 47 months than Biden did in 47 years. This is all about Trump and what Trump has done lately. Again, even though it's it's less than 30 days to the election, it's still a lifetime. So we've got a couple of debates coming up. There's a lot of other opportunities here. But right now, I like where Donald Trump is positioned. 
especially after this latest episode with respect to coronavirus, he acts like a leader. He is not hunkered down in his basement, coming out like, you know, Groundhog Day every once in a while to the adulation of a media that understands that Grandpa Biden just doesn't have the goods to take it over the finish line, so they've got to push him across. I still maintain that I think this is Trump's election to lose, and I think he's not going to lose it. Peter, I just hope that what we don't see happening is a repeat in reverse of what happened. As you pointed out, you and many others made sure you got to the polls to vote against Hillary Clinton. I'm hoping that the uh, passion for Democrat voters to vote against Donald Trump doesn't drive them just as hard, uh, because that is a big concern. Peter Kersenow, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, thank you for the great analysis as always, Pete. See you later, Bob. Thank you, Peter Kersenow. We're going to take a quick time out here on the other side of that. Hogan Gidley, who is a press secretary for the Trump-Pence 2020 campaign, will get an update on the president's condition and the state of the campaign as we move forward with the president recovering and convalescing from COVID-19. That's next on AM 1420, The Answer. Sebastian Gorka here. Join me today at 3 on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1047, now we continue on this Tuesday edition of The Authority. Appreciate you uh, being here. Uh, I want to go right now to Hogan Gidley, who is back with us on AM 1420, The Answer, from the Trump-Pence 2020 campaign. Uh, Hogan, crazy last couple of days for you and everybody on the campaign staff. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate the time. Yeah, I appreciate talking to you. Every time we get a chance to talk, I feel like I know things a little bit better than I did before about the campaign. <laughs> let, let me ask you this, Hogan, seriously, because, you know, the president is diagnosed just a few days ago. Uh, he's going to convalesce at the White House. Then, nope, we got to take him to Walter Reed over a quote of an abundance of caution. Uh, he needed some oxygen treatments, went on a couple of other medications. Then, quickly, three days, he's right back at the White House again. The critics are saying that he is putting everybody in the White House in jeopardy, that his uh, you know, failure to quarantine, his going back to the White House and being around other people is going to put people in jeopardy. Well, you work for the man. You work for the campaign. Are you afraid of getting sick or contract? Like Kaylee McEnany, the press secretary, a job he used to hold as well, uh, has been diagnosed positive. Hope Hicks, are you worried, uh, Hogan, yourself? Uh, I'm not. Uh, look, I, I don't spend as much time with him as I used to because I'm at the campaign, not at the White House. Uh, mm-hmm. But look, they have the best medical professionals on the ground there at the White House. Um, the president is under in- incredibly good care, as is the vice president. So are the senior staff members. And um, it, it wasn't as though the president got back to the White House and then started walking around in people's offices, shaking hands and giving hugs and saying, how is everybody doing? Mm-hmm. He went back to the residence. He was on the, the Truman balcony, and he took his mask off outside, not around anybody, to 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 salute the brave men and women, um, you know, who were on Marine One, to salute our flag, to salute uh, the country, and and I don't understand why they're so upset about that. I mean, you turn over and check MSNBC almost simultaneously, and Joe Biden is sitting there without a mask next to Lester Holt without a mask, and no one says a word. When the media take their own masks off in the briefing room, turn around to do a live shot, no one says a word. When they see Dianne Feinstein telling everyone to wear masks, she's at an airport without a mask, media doesn't say anything. When Nancy Pelosi 
worried about getting her hair done. No mask. No one says a word. It's only when it has to do with Donald Trump these people are upset. The president has treated this virus with the severity it deserves from day one. We were talking about this when no one else would, um, and and quite frankly, the leadership that he has showed has saved lives in this country. Hogan Gidley is our guest. Now, you were the deputy press secretary. I'm going to ask you this as if you were sitting in front of the uh, White House press corps right now. Um, how do you explain or defend uh, the president's quote-unquote joyride before he was discharged? He went out uh, in the uh, presidential limo, SUV type thing, uh, accompanied by Secret Service, just so that he could wave at the throngs of supporters who came, by the way, from all around the country just to be there to show support for him outside of Walter Reed. The critics say, and if I was in that press corps, I would be one of them saying, you know, he put people in jeopardy, including those Secret Service agents, just so that he could have a photo op and be, be uh, and be, uh, you know, be in the, in the center of a crowd of people supporting him. Uh, that was irresponsible and reckless. What would you say if you were at the podium? Well, um, the the men and women of the Secret Service are some of the most brave people I've ever met in my life. I've had a, a long, um, you know, history in the White House the last three years, spending time with them on trips, uh, during travel, joking, laughing, telling stories. They're some of the best people I've ever met, period. Um, their job is to protect the president, whether the president is um, being um, – attacked, whether he is sick, whether he's well, whether he's in a good mood, um, you know, whether he's having a tough day, the Secret Service are always beside him, period. When he left the White House, he didn't fly the helicopter himself. And then when he landed at Walter Reed, get out and start up a car and go into the to the facility all by himself. When he left yesterday, they didn't throw him the keys to a Buick, give him a hamburger and a roadmap and say, find your way back. They're always with him. They know the risk is there all of the time, not just from COVID, but from uh, you know the countless other things the president faces every single day. And so when you have those supporters out there, the president just wanted to go by and give them a thumbs up, a hand wave, and say, I'm doing well. That does more, too, for national security for this country to allow other nations to know this president's fine. He's out and about in a, you know, a relatively quick um, recovery time period as well. Uh, the people get to see him. That's a boost to the country facing some difficult times. I mean, it, it, it makes no sense. And, and also, I didn't see liberals too upset about the safety of the Secret Service when during protests and looting and rioting around the White House, people were literally standing right in the faces of our brave men and women of law enforcement and of Secret Service, shouting at them spitting in their faces. I didn't see a concern for the safety of the Secret Service then. So I find it a little bit rich that they're trying to do it now. I think that's very well said. You know, because it's all about the righteousness of the cause, you see. If you're protesting, you know, racial inequality or police brutality or something, then the COVID is worth the risk. It's righteous. Uh, but well, if that's, it's just Donald that's Trump. the vaccine, apparently. I don't even know why they're spending <laughs> money on a vaccine. If you just go out and riot and loot, apparently you don't get it. So yeah, there you I, go. I just encourage everybody to do that then, I guess. Just call it a protest, whatever your gathering sure. may be. Just call it a protest. Uh, more, more specifically now to the campaign. Uh, is the president going, well, of course he's going to be limited. He's not going to be able to go to rallies and everything else while he's still under the uh, care uh, that, you know, just because it's in the White House, he's still, it's not like he's not under doctor's care. He is. So how will he campaign from his, uh, you know, from his uh, current location at the White House? 
Well, that remains to be seen. We've implemented Operation MAGA here at the campaign, which is something we're really excited about, basically utilizing all the tools and forces we have to get out the president's message, using our coalition groups, for example. We're going to use the vice president quite a bit. The first family will be out, surrogates like myself. We're going to have Women for Trump bus tour in 12 states. Latinos for Trump will be out. Black Voices for Trump will be out. All the folks that have worked on this campaign, uh, you know, really since the word go, uh, they're preparing to be out there and kind of pick up any of the slack that may occur because the president has to, um, you know, as he prepares to get back out there. Uh, So that's something we're looking at doing, and I think we're really excited about it. I think they knocked on uh, or made about five and a half million phone calls uh, just in the last couple days. Also knocked on two two million doors, so it's a really really robust operation we have at the campaign. And all systems are go for debating on the fifteenth. As of right now, yes. Now, obviously, doctors are going to uh, kind of dictate a little bit of this, so we'll see what happens. But right now, uh, we're planning to uh, see Joe Biden on the fifteenth. Hogan, how concerned are you about seeing Steve Scully on the 15th? Uh, the moderator for the second debate, uh, it has been well reported now, uh, former intern for Joe Biden back when he was 18 years old. And maybe say, well, that's a long time ago. It doesn't mean much. But in much more recent years, he has been on Twitter praising Joe Biden up and down uh, all over uh, his Twitter feed. And, of course, four years ago, he shared David Brooks and his Never Trump column from the New York Times, indicating that he is A, a Never Trumper, and B, a fan of Joe Biden. And how does this guy end up getting the debate plum? Well, you know, I, I'm not going to defend the the, the council on uh, presidential debates. I can promise you that. Uh, but Steve's been a pretty stand up guy as far as long as I've dealt with him. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes because it was pretty obvious last week that President Trump was debating uh, not just. Uh, Joe Biden, but also Chris Wallace. And so we don't want that to be the case again. And while the the council is, is kind of out there flexing a little muscle, saying we need to change the way we do these debates because we didn't like how it went last time, I think you could start by looking in the mirror and making sure that you know, it's, it's uh, your own moderator who doesn't who didn't, uh, mess up the whole thing. Hogan Gidley, I'm sure I probably know the answer to this, but um, just to hear you say it, What do you make of the polls, the 14-point bump, the 15-point edge now that apparently Joe Biden has, at least according to the latest NBC Wall Street Journal poll over President Trump? Um, I know how you guys normally think about the polls, but uh, just to hear you say it. Well, look, I mean, the methodology is always flawed in these polls. It's the same folks who said the president was going to lose last time. We, we don't see, you know, any difference in what's going on now than what was going on before. Uh, that's 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 one thing I think that should be kind of taken into account. Uh, but also, um, our internal polls have us in really good shape, having having the requisite number of states to win and retain the White House. So we're excited about that. But you know, I mean, there, there's a concerted effort for this for people to be um for, for trying to tamp down enthusiasm but people love this president and um even the ones who are supporting joe biden don't even like joe biden they're just doing it because they hate donald trump so you know i think we're in really good shape and we're ready to, to kick this thing into high gear the last month and, and bring it on home for for the boss last thing not a lot of people pay attention to the vice presidential debate at least comparatively um 
I feel like tomorrow we must, much, much more than any other vice presidential debate because of Kamala Harris potentially being the, you know, the top candidate here on the ticket. I mean, let's be honest. We all know about Joe Biden's cognitive decline. And, um, you know, everybody knows why Kamala Harris is there. Um, how much stock or how much attention should the American public pay to who the, the person who could very well be if Joe Biden cannot physically perform his duties, uh, the president of the United States, if the Democrats win? You know, typically everyone just votes for the top of the ticket, which makes total sense. But um, in this particular instance, you know, the the left is so radical and so insane about these crazy socialist policies and the direction they want to take this country in that you have to understand she's running the show. It's pretty obvious at this point that she is really all in uh, on, on making sure this country is fundamentally changed away from anything it used to look like. And so um, Joe Biden has embraced all these radical policies. He's pushing these radical policies. The Green New Deal is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, that'd kill 10 and a half million jobs right there, but but no more fracking would destroy Pennsylvania, um, you know, and, and, and put us in a bad national security position as well. His decision to add four and a half trillion dollars in taxes for 82% of Americans also uh, a really bad idea. Uh, he doesn't know what he's doing, and it's pretty clear. That, I, just, I that, just wonder, Hogan, we're out of time here. I just wonder if Kamala Harris is aware that Joe Biden thinks she should be stocking shelves for him so that he can stay in the basement. <laughs> uh, just kind of curious about that part. Hogan Gidley, you don't have to respond to that, but thank you so much for the time. Keep up your good work, sir. We'll talk again. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. That's Hogan Gidley. He is working the uh, press secretary uh, in this press secretary role for the campaign for Trump Biden, or excuse me, Enjoy Trump Pence 2020. Thanks for being a part of the show. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher's next. We'll see you.